I'm Jess. And I'm Tiff. And we're your curious cousins. (laughs) Where we talk about everything kooky and spooky in the state of Oklahoma. Did you like that? I did. spicy for you? (laughs) Spiced it up a little. (laughs) Wasn't expecting that. Sorry. Sorry. I just thought I would try to try something new. Let me know if I failed. I failed. I know I did. (laughs) Don't let me know. My ego can't take it. (laughs) Well... Part episode two. 11 yes part two Woo! part two so we're gonna pick up where we left off last week yes which is technically and... still the same night <laughs> <laughs> so we don't have any business yes nope we don't have any business all right this week well shall we just get into it sure i mean i'm excited because i have no idea who we're talking about today oh, nice. i did not google them at all yet <laughs> But I well, can't guarantee that it won't happen. That's good. In the next few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Just a reminder, we're doing Cattle Annie and Little Britches. Ooh. So my And sources... not Mowgli Little Britches. No. No, not that. Sources. Okay, first source is Oklahoma Originals, Early Heroes, Heroines, Villains, and Vixens by... Johnita Mullins. Now, I could have said that wrong, but <laughs> 100 Oklahoma Outlaws, Gangsters, and Lawmen, 1839 to 1939 by Dan Anderson and Best Lawrence Yaden or Yaden. Bedside Book of Bad Girls, oh, Outlaw spicy. Women of the American West <laughs> by Michael Rutler. Cattle Annie, 1882 to 1978 by Nancy B. Samuelson from the Oklahoma Historical Society (laughs) at okhistory.org, one of my favorite websites. Yes. Wild Women of the West, Cattle Annie and Little Britches by Chris Inns from cowgirlmagazine.com, written on October 9th, 2018. And last source is Cattle Annie and Little Britches. Fact First Fiction Ooh. by Jim McLennan from girlswithguns.org, Girls written, <laughs> written on September 3rd, 2018. So a little bit of an intro, okay. sort of. Here we go. <laughs> you mentioned this about Machine Gun Kelly, how you, how you had a lot of sources that were conflicting information. Yes, yes. Welcome to Cattle Annie oh. and Little Britches. Aww. It is the same kind of situation. <laughs> it's so hard because a lot of their information was probably written down in lots of primary sources. Uh-huh. But, of course, most of them were news outlets. And you would like to think that any news that is shared is always the truth. But we all know that there is such thing as fake news. So I and I think this is like maybe not the birth of fake news, but I think there's during this time it's like super prevalent. Exactly. I mean, we've all watched Bridgerton, so (laughs) we know that it's been around for a long time. (laughs) Yes, it has. News outlets and the media always wants if they want a story to face. A certain direction or go a certain way, they're going to make it go that way. Yes, absolutely. So, with other famous female outlaws, more myth than truth often surround their stories. Okay. And I just have to say, Belle Star Mm -hmm. is steeped in mystery and myth. Absolutely, yes. And I didn't think 
that another outlaw could outdo her in her <laughs> myths and legends. Well, folks, you're about to hear about Catalini oh, and Little I can't Princess. wait. I can't wait. They weren't. This is what's interesting. They weren't women. They were right. girls. Okay. Oh. <laughs> girls. I'll tell you what. I've looked at several different sources and I still have no idea what's actually true about them. Okay. So um, in the article, Cattle Annie and Little Britches, fact verse fiction written by Jim McLennan, he said it best. So I'm just going to read exactly what he wrote. He said, Cattle Annie and Little Britches. Two teenage girls inspired by the questionably accurate literary exploits of Western outlaws daring do leave their homes and families to join those outlaws. They end up becoming the stuff of those same legends themselves, with their story being turned into a Hollywood movie. This sounds like a book or something like, you know, like the back of a book. I know he wrote this really well. Um, he says, art imitating life, imitating art. <laughs> Given this, discovering the truth behind the myth is almost impossible with sources telling different versions and often contradicting each other. As such, take what follows as a best guess. Oh, jeez. <laughs> such a true statement yes, for these two. so. Let's just dive right in. All right. Like the statement I just read, everything that is written about them (laughs) is conflicting information, but it's still a really fascinating story. So I'm going to start with Jenny Stevenson, a.k.a. Jenny Stevens, Jenny Midkiff, best known as Little Britches. Oh, I'm interested to see where she, why she got... The monkey ear of little britches. We'll get into it oh, okay. and it'll okay. kind of, uh, you'll just have to wait a little okay. bit. So some sources say Jenny Stevenson was born in 1879. Okay. Some say it was 1882. Some sources <laughs> say that she was older than her friend Annie. Uh-huh. Some say she was younger and some say they were the same age. Oh. So it's confusing. And I honestly don't know. Jenny Stevenson was born to Daniel and Lucy Stevenson of Barton County, Missouri. Her only sibling was a sister, Victoria Estella. Oh, I'm looking at their picture. In about 1888, the family moved to the rural town of Senate, Oklahoma Territory in the southeast corner of Pawnee County. It should be stated that Jenny's new home wasn't that far from a dueling gang hideout along the Cimarron River. It's also said that her family were farmers and would sell Uh produce to the gang as well as um, letting them water their horses at their their property. That was nice of them. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So that's a little bit about Jenny. Okay. Anna Emmeline McDoolit, a.k.a. Annie, a.k.a. Cattle Annie. (laughs) She was born in November of 1882 in Lawrence County, Kansas. Her parents were Judge James C. and Rebecca McDoolit. I thought you were going to say Judge Judy for a second. (laughs) Good old Judge Judy never dies. Because you said Judge... James, but I heard that and I instantly was like, Judy. (laughs) No, 
No Judy. <laughs> Not this time. Oh, rats. <laughs> Can you believe what kind of story that would be? Uh, it'd be an interesting one, that's for sure. Okay, Judge Judy. Yes, Judge Judy. <laughs> okay. Her parents were Judge James C. and Rebecca McDoolett. One source said that she was child number three out of nine. Yikes. Her father, J.C., studied law in Kentucky and would serve as a justice of the peace in Red Rock Indian Territory. Okay. As well as an attorney for the Native Americans in the surrounding area. Okay. I guess with her father being a judge and serving as justice of the peace, mm-hmm. it gave her something to rebel against, maybe. Oh. What's interesting is there are no records that indicate either girl mm. received much education. Oh, okay. Which surprised me, yeah, at least well. for Annie, mm-hmm. considering that her father was a justice of the peace and was well-educated. Right. And... I wonder why... Is because she was a girl? And well, I thought of that, but if you're one of nine siblings... Maybe, yeah. There's probably not a whole lot of focus on you Mm -hmm. you're probably getting overlooked and if you're number three or one of the oldest so you're probably looking after the younger exactly and they probably couldn't not that they couldn't afford to send her to school they couldn't afford to not have the eyes on the younger children well and it also kind of acted like yes he was justice of the peace but it was like they were also living on a farm right kind of and i wonder how often he really was home right so i'm sure mom needed all the extra help that right. she could get yes so it's said that annie worked odd jobs such as a dishwasher at different restaurants and she also worked as a domestic now okay. i wasn't a hundred percent sure what a domestic was i mean i had like right a vague idea essentially yeah. yes yeah. i asked my parents if they knew and my mom was like let me google it <laughs> <laughs> thanks mom good job so it was a young sing or young single girls okay. that were usually from the lower to middle class that would work for a small wage that also sometimes included room and board. Okay. And they would cook, clean, help with chores, help with the children. Uh-huh. So it was basically a maid and a nanny rolled into oh, one. Okay. How so we went from Bridgerton to Downton Abbey. Yes. Okay. 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 Quite quickly. Yes. <laughs> Both girls had been regaled with stories of famous outlaws, many being about the Dueling Gang. Of course, of course. Some even said that the Dueling Gang would come into the area and water their horses. Mm-hmm. Both girls basically grew up listening to these stories and fantasizing about that lifestyle, that Sounds outlaw familiar. lifestyle. Sounds very familiar. It's very familiar. Henry. <laughs> and just a quick little side note kind of thing because it encompasses this whole story bill doolin who was initially a part of the dalton gang left the dalton gang and put his own gang of bandits together okay um the doolin gang yeah but they were also known (laughs) as the wild bunch which i feel like a lot of people have probably heard about the wild bunch Butch Cassidy and oh, all of them. I don't, you know, it says Wild Bunch, but I don't know if something to look into. Yeah, okay. Anyway, go moving on. (laughs) At one point, they were the most feared gang in the West, in part due to the efforts of dime novelist Ned Buntline. Buntline. Sorry, it sounded like I said Buntline. (laughs) He did say Buntline. I was like that. (laughs) 
Ned Ned Bunt line. Ned Butt line. Bunt line. I need a enunciate. <laughs> I'm struggling so much right now. Okay. We're going to cut all of this out and I'm okay. just going to re- re-say this part. Take 78 and action. At one point, they were the most feared gang in the West. And in, it's in part due to the efforts of a dime novelist named Ned Buntline. Not Buttline. <laughs> Anyway, he brought a romanticized version of their exploits to a popular audience. And Buntline's work can be partially credited with inspiring Annie and Jenny to a life of crime. But, of course, being Oklahoma residents, they would have likely been aware of the dueling game anyway. Yes. Because it wasn't just they were reading these dime novels. I mean, they were... In the area where reading they newspapers. were yeah. reading newspapers, they were in the area that these gangs frequented. Frank- their wanted posters were yeah. probably plastered everywhere. Oh yeah, you know, in some cases, it sounds like they even had their families had interactions with. Yeah, them. so I was gonna say had run-ins with them potentially. And- mm-hmm. Yeah. Whew. So after working various menial jobs, <laughs> Annie turned to crime, initially selling liquor to the Native Americans, which was outlawed at the time. She graduated to wrestling livestock. Wrestling? Wrestling. Oh, wrestling. Wrestling livestock. (laughs) If she was wrestling them, she probably would have been in the rodeo. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This likely led to her nickname, Cattle Annie. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. So Jenny was said to have acquired all the skills of a typical frontier boy that a frontier boy would learn. Okay. She understood cattle and horses. She was reputed to be a crack shot. Ooh. So she knew her way around firearms. It's also said that at 15 years old, she finally had enough of dirt farming. (laughs) One night, she dressed in men's clothing, which I'm sure she probably stole from her father. Uh, She stole a family horse and ran away from home to try and meet up with the famous Doolin gang. The first outing into her new life of banditry was a joke and humiliating. (laughs) (laughs) She ended up losing her horse. Oh, and the gang (laughs) night. The gang ended up dropping her off at a neighbor's house for safekeeping. A couple of days later, she returned home where her father was waiting, angry and frustrated. Right. He gave her a sound thrashing, it says. Her foray into the realm of the outlaw way of life ended with her being dumped not only by her horse, but also (laughs) by the dueling gang as well, all in one night. So that made it even more humiliating. But to top it all off, as the story goes, <laughs> she then became the butt of all jokes between her friends. So. Well, naturally. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me that ended her life of crime and your story is about to end. Yeah. No. <laughs> what kind of story would that be? Rats. <laughs> I mean, I feel like the writing's on the wall, but, you know, well, criminals yeah. are not the brightest in the box are they well and it doesn't help when you're desperate to get out of a situation you're already in yeah and i didn't read anything where it mentioned like her life was like she was abused or anything like Mm -hmm. that it was just her family were farmers and that's not what she wanted yeah and she had dreams 
she had like Catherine and Machine Gun Kelly. Like yeah. she had these high inspirations of you know she had this fantasy of what the outlaw life was. Do because- you almost think that? It is very similar to today, like with TikTok stars Mm -hmm. and influencers, that that's just what everybody, that was the media that was shoved at him at the time, Mm -hmm. and they were glorified. And so more and more Mm -hmm. people just thought, well, if I want to make a name for myself, then I have to become an outlaw like right right now if you want to make a name for yourself you probably should be on tiktok or be some sort of well it was easy money exactly so do you think that that plays into it i mean in my mind like with some of the criminals that we've already talked about i 100 percent think that that had just a tiny bit to do with it yeah well it it made it seem like it was this glamorous kind of life because you were rich and um you didn't have to really do anything but you were everybody knew you everybody knew you because your name was out there and you had a bit of fear like people weren't ever going to mess with you Uh, yeah so So yeah i I definitely i definitely think okay yeah that's what i was wondering or thinking too in my mind you have it thanks so uh jenny would end up running away from home a second time okay One source claimed that on March 5th of 1895, Jenny married Benjamin F. Midcalf, a deaf-mute horse trader in Perry, (laughs) Indian Territory, in a hotel. I wonder what they had in common. (laughs) Horses? I mean, horses. I I don't. It didn't really go into a lot of detail. She liked horses. She uh, he just traded them, so he would go and buy and sell them. So I don't. She liked them. She knew how to ride one. I what I think it is, and I think one source mentioned it. I just didn't write it down. I think it was, um, you know, she that first time that she ran away to join the outlaws. (laughs) It was an epic fail. Yeah, you know that she was humiliated. Her friends. Mm -hmm were laughing at her her family was probably laughing at her Mm -hmm. and i think what it was was she's this 15 year old girl wanting this lifestyle and the only way she could see getting out of that was to get married so she was no longer under her family that's true that's true so i think that was she's probably looking at any way out at this point. yes and i think that was part of it okay because she didn't want to do farming she wanted out of it yeah so I think that was part of it. That's a hard life. And props yeah. to people who choose to become farmers. Yeah. And in this day and age when it's absolutely way easier than it was oh, yeah. 200 years ago. She gets married, right? Okay. Yes. 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 To Apparently, the horse trader. The deaf mute poor horse trader, which all the sources named him as that. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. I digress. <laughs> Apparently, the marriage ended not even six weeks later. Yikes. So when Midcalf returned home from a horse buying trip, to, he found Jenny had been entertaining other men in their hotel room. Oh, wow. Um, so she just well, and she went for it, didn't she? She apparently had quite a few of these kinds of in, um, indiscretions. Oh, and they eventually, quote, Jenny, <laughs> they eventually, quote, fell out and quit each other's company on the road, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love, love, love the way they used to describe <laughs> things back in the day. <laughs> uh, well, Jenny is quite the character. Like there's a lot more, which it's interesting because some of the sources, it was more 
of Annie. Uh huh. These other ones, it's more about Jenny. Yeah. So it's just interesting. But anyway, so on another adventure that <laughs> took her up and down the Arkansas River, Jenny is said to have met and married. Oh, again. Robert Stevens, when she hey, was Rob. just 16 years old. Whew. That marriage also failed, with Jenny riding off into the sunset to search for her um, dream. <laughs> I can't say this without laughing. To search for her dream of a life as a female consort to a gunslinger. <laughs> wow. Life dream right there. I didn't even know that that was an occupation. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> that one could dream about having. So, okay. Well, yeah. okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. 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 I guess go big or go home. Right. right? <laughs> While her marriages are a matter of records, her criminal record doesn't portray her as anything <laughs> more than a whiskey peddler and horse thief. Okay. So that's kind of where the discrepancies oh. come in because they have these stories of them with the Doolin gang. Yes. But then on the other hand, there's actually no record of them yeah. being with the Doolin gang or yeah. being arrested with the Doolin gang. Right. Just it, we'll get into that. You make of it what you will. Is it was like one time they might have been in the same town at the exact same time? Um, <laughs> I think with everything I'm about to tell you, uh-huh. I think there's little pieces of what probably had happened. Yeah. Kind of mixed together. In of course. One, A little like, bit of truth. To, yeah. With lots of. Yeah. Myth. And that's what's frustrating about this story is there's no concrete proof either way. Yeah. You know. So it's an interesting story. But <laughs> anyway. While in the Osage Nation of Indian Territory, which is just north of Tulsa, Jenny made progress with her outlaw career. Oh. Finally, she conspired with a man whose last name was Wilson in a scheme to sell whiskey to the Native Americans. Wilson was quick to realize the ease with which little britches could conceal her true identity <laughs> and sex, her youthful appearance, her youthful appearance and her partiality for men's clothing made it all work just want to know how she did it (laughs) here's how the scheme works little britches (laughs) would maintain a day job as a quiet unassuming dress wearing domestic at night (laughs) at night however she would dress in men's clothing and steal away into the osage and pawnee nations and there she would distribute liquor oh my gosh not only did the disguise keep her safe from her clients, but it also went a long way in keeping her identity safe from the deputies who sought to stop whiskey peddling to the Native Americans in the territories. Because they were looking for a boy. And she, and she was, was a girl. girl. Yep. Absolutely. So well, that is innovative for sure. I mean, it's kind of smart. Uh, I mean, absolutely. you know what I mean? Like, it obviously worked for a little while. Yeah. But anyway, regardless. But you know what? I feel like that with all of this that we have learned over the last few episodes, Uh that if we would have just allowed Native Americans to have equal access to whiskey, Mm -hmm. so many of our problems would be alleviated. Yeah. Alleviated. Not alleviated. I don't think that's a word. Alleviated. So not that this criminal past of ours (laughs) in this great state isn't fascinating because it is and I do love learning about it but Uh at the same time I'm like you know a lot of this could have been hindsight 
Regardless, both girls had run afoul of the law before ever joining the Doolin gang. Each one of them separately sold whiskey to the Osage and Pawnee Indians. <laughs> and according to the September 3rd, 1895 edition of the Ada, Oklahoma newspaper, mm. the Evening Times, Jenny seemed to have, quote, plied her vocation for a long time successfully, going in the guise of a boy tramp hunting work. It's unclear how Jenny and Annie actually met and became friends, but several sources did say that the two girls probably met when they were attending a barn dance in um, one of the Oklahoma Indian Territory. They would have people from miles would come to one place to have yeah, a big yeah, yeah. Sh- shebang kind of We've all seen the movie Oklahoma. Shindig is what I meant to We've say. We've all seen the, the moving Oklahoma. Oh, love that movie. And don't even get me started. <laughs> I might bust out singing. <laughs> Nobody wants that. They probably got to talking and realized that they had just about everything in common with right. one another. So that's well, you kind could, of... Part of me is like, I bet they were lonely too. Oh, I'm sure they and were. now you found somebody who had similar interest of you. They probably had a fast friendship. And... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So legend has it that Annie and Jenny do eventually become members of the infamous Doolin gang. Okay. With Jenny being given the nickname Little Bridges by Bill Doolin. Now, that's alleged. There's <laughs> no confirmation that that actually okay. happened. But it's a fun story okay. regardless. Anyway, it's unclear what the role of the girls was, but it makes sense that they would have been suited for reconnaissance work. Absolutely. And supplying information about law enforcement activities to Doolin, mm-hmm. because who would suspect two teenage girls as outlaws? Absolutely no one, because girls couldn't do that kind of <laughs> right, stuff. Right, right. Legend says there is more to it than that, and that only known surviving photo of the two girls, which we'll post on our socials. Absolutely, yes. Does suggest active participation. Mm-hmm. One source stated, and I quote, Uh-oh. Cattle Annie led her own gang of men, and Little Bridges was her lieutenant. Cattle Annie wore a cowboy hat and dress and carried a rifle. Little Bridges wore a cowboy hat and men's trousers, vest, and jacket, and a cartridge belt and a double holster with two six guns. Okay, so real, real quick, I called my older brother James. Okay. To explain to me exactly what six guns mean or six gun means because he's really he's really knowledgeable yeah about guns oh yeah and he told me a six gun is basically just a revolver and it's called the six gun or a six shooter yeah is that yeah he said it's called a six gun because it holds six shots oh wow so thanks james for explaining that to your sister Anyway, both those ladies were tough. They carried guns like other women carried parasols, and <laughs> strong men quailed when they walked into a saloon, unquote. Ooh. One account indicates that both girls met members of du- of the Doolin gang at local dances and, quote, became wildly excited at the stories of the wealth and fame that would be theirs if they should just turn to banditry. Banditry. Oh. Unquote. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So okay. <laughs> I was like, man, uh, you have to give the newspaper writers right, I was gonna say. during the late 1890s some props because, man, could they be flourish? They paint a picture. Yes. yes. They are very fla- flowery words. Yes. And yes. Anyway. So another. Floofy. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of floof there. Yes. 
I agree. That was so bad. <laughs> Another source claimed that Annie McDoolit met a good-looking man who turned out to be the infamous Red Buck George Waitman at a dance. Red Buck was a member of the Doolin gang. Okay. She immediately fell in love with him. Duh. Why would she not? But the romantic interest was only one-sided. <laughs> As far as he was concerned. These poor girls. I know. Uh, <laughs> it gets worse. Oh, no. <laughs> as far as he was concerned, she was just another teenage farm girl who had a crush on him. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> Despite the rejection, the two girls did get to know other members of the Doolin gang. The how, outlaws... how many men were in this gang? I, you know, I honestly have no idea. Good I Lord. don't know. The outlaws didn't really take them seriously. Well, they're but a bunch of teenage girls. They didn't dismiss them either. Okay. The gang let them wash and mend their clothes and do some of the cooking for them, but it wasn't enough for the girls. That was so sweet. And it's so funny that you say it like that because I have another side note that oh, my God. thoughts. Now, now this is just my thoughts, okay. my opinion on the whole thing. <laughs> but if these girls did insert themselves into the dueling gang, they had to have been so desperate to be a part of this infamous gang that they would probably be willing to do anything. You're probably right. And I think the gang probably knew this. Oh, I'm sure. And 100% took advantage of the situation. Oh, I'm sure. I, and I bet they, they thought... Were absolute fangirls. Oh, yeah. And I bet they thought the girls should probably be grateful that oh. they were even giving them the time of day. Like, oh, cleaning my clothes. It should be seen as an honor or, you know, something Absolutely. like that. I'm sure. You're right. And yeah. I think also, you know, if they did insert themselves, they were probably seen as a little bit of like a nuisance. Yes. And they were probably just wanting them to get out of their hair. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just, I don't know what to think really, but that's my They had opinion. a lot of things not going for them. Mm -hmm. Number one being that they were girls in the late 1800s. Mm -hmm. Number two, it seems like they were both from families that probably could have done better with paying attention to mm -hmm. their children. In addition, that they were uneducated. Mm -hmm. So they were probably raised to think that their only worth was to work on a farm or to watch, you know, their siblings and then uh -huh. to get married and to yeah. make more babies. And right. And I, I kind of wonder because, you know, if Annie was one of nine, you know, she obviously had other brothers and sisters yeah whereas jenny only had a sister yeah and her father was a farmer mm -hmm. you know boys were kind of seen as you know labor yeah helpful exactly uh, however you want to say that well, and she's this girl in the kitchen yeah. so he didn't have that help that a son would have provided yeah exactly but maybe she did help him i mean i don't know the situation yeah but it just makes you wonder but anyway, going back to the legend, <laughs> the girls did gradually earn the trust of the outlaws and were allowed to perform additional tasks. The two girls still handled the domestic skills <laughs> of cooking, mending, and washing, but they were also given the tasks of like carrying messages between members of the gang. Because who would suspect two little teenage girls? Right? They served as lookouts and they were the eyes and ears of the wanted men. So it was their job to see if any lawmen were planning a raid. Uh, however, while working with the gang, they were never considered more 
any more than like just a useful tag along. So mm-hmm. they were never really actually considered members of the dueling game. Yeah, they weren't going to go and actually do any raids. Yep. And or robberies. Of, cur- of course, the girls found this super frustrating. Oh, I'm sure. They decided that if the gang would accept them as legitimate members, they'd prove their outlaw worth by going out on their own. Ooh. They focused on crimes that they could handle to catch the gang's attention and prove their worth. Since both girls grew up around horses and cattle, they decided to become stock wrestlers. (laughs) When wrestling failed to secure their gang membership, the two girls branched out into the thriving and productive bootleg liquor trade. (laughs) bootlegging liquor selling whiskey what what all of our stories come down to yeah it it does it always comes down to bootlegging liquor alcoholism of america or the alcoholism (laughs) of oklahoma yes yes they end up selling whiskey to the pawnee and osage indians while selling whiskey was illegal it wasn't nearly as risky as wrestling cattle a bootlegger would only get 10 yeah a bootlegger would only get 10 to 40 days in the local in the local jail Mm -hmm. while a wrestler could get strung up from the nearest tree right and do some serious jail time Mm -hmm. if yeah you're right even if they if you got that far yeah so i mean i think more often than not you were you could be hung yeah it was the most likely they might call a lawman and be like he stole a cow and they're like here's your rope right and, you know, I was thinking about that and I was like, why, why was that such a harsh sentence? And I got to thinking about it and I was like, you know, that was people's way of life. Exactly. And that was their, their meal for right. the winter. Right. But it was also their making ends meet. Right. You know, so, if they sold it to somebody else or. Yeah. So, it, it just yeah. like, I was like, hmm, you know, but anyway. Cause you know, we drive by and we're like, see for at least. A cow is a dime a dozen. Right, right. You know? But I mean, back then, you're right. You know, they weren't. Right. Well, my my grandpa on my dad's side, he had cattle for mm-hmm. a while. And um, it it was strictly, I think it was more just more of a hobby mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. thing. But he would sell them and he would butcher them for meat and yeah. like stuff yeah. like that. But, you know. I mean, my brother-in-law it, has cattle and it's. But it wasn't like his livelihood. Yeah. It was yeah. just. For him, it was just more kind of of a of a hobby kind yeah. of thing. But anyway, each girl had her best disguise against the scrutiny of lawmen, posses, and neighbors. <laughs> With little britches, it was her childlike appearance and her tomboyish behavior that dissuaded would-be accusers from slandering her reputation. <laughs> Catalani. Oh gosh. It was her advanced womanly appearance and adult demeanor that caused none to think of her as a criminal, but rather as a pretty, dashing figure of a young woman whom it would be far more delightful to befriend than betray. Which I find this interesting because if you look at the one and only picture of them, they both look super young. They do. Like young. Yeah. I look at that and I'm like, there is no way those girls are 16 years old. No. I don't know. Anyway, throughout 1895, both girls remained more than pesky irritations and nuisances (laughs) to law enforcement and continuously made newspaper headlines in the twin territories from Guthrie to Coffeyville, Kansas. Oh, gosh. Which I guess I'm sure I had heard it before, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it didn't sink in or stay (laughs) in my brain. But I had never really heard of it called the twin territories before. Yeah. But I, I remember it, it vaguely, but just in the sense that 
you know, Oklahoma Territory was where all the land run people were at. Mm -hmm. And then Sequoia Territory was where most of the Native Americans were at. So I remember them saying, I remember it being referred to as twin territories, Uh but for such a small period of time. Yeah, I just, I thought it was interesting because I was like, I don't remember that. (laughs) But, you know, obviously Kettle, Annie, and Little Britches thrived on the danger and excitement of banditry. The two girls were living (laughs) a high life compared to the farm life each had run away from. So... You know, they were sure it wasn't boring. Oh, you know, it wasn't. (laughs) They don't sound like they were boring Mm -hmm. at all. Like they they were. uh, I don't know. (laughs) Pretty soon, however, the ruse failed to fool lawmen. Each time one or both girls were spotted in town, Mm -hmm. they were heavily armed with pistols and Winchesters. And it's not really something that was a common sight for females at the time. So as the lawmen became more and more suspicious, they grew less tolerant of the girls' flirty <laughs> ways and their evasive answers to the simplest questions. Now the end is near. Oh, no. It said that Little Bridges mm-hmm. was discovered to be the one that was selling whiskey to the Pawnee and Osage tribes oh, and was Bridges. arrested on July 5th. 1895. One source states that she posted bond and was quickly released. (laughs) A month later, she couldn't manage to keep herself out of trouble and again was arrested, but initially escaped custody during a mill break. So here's that story. Oh, gosh. (laughs) It said that on August 18th, 1895, Sheriff Frank Lake did the honors of arresting Little Bridges. Lake took Little Bridges back to Pawnee, where she would be jailed awaiting arraignment. Instead of being fed in the usual manner in place with awful food in a jail cell, Lake took Little Bridges to a hotel where she was Uh-oh. giving a well-prepared meal. <laughs> Lake may have left Little Bridges under the guard of a deputy U.S. marshal named Frank Canton. Oh, Frank. Canton was in all likelihood stationed outside the hotel door, and when Little Bridges finished eating her fine meal, she tore her dress from her body, bolted oh, through the what? back door, and galloped off into the sunset. <laughs> I'm not sure why I didn't write this down, but I think I read that Cattle Annie was actually hiding out somewhere at this time when Little Bridges was arrested. Because I was sitting there thinking, well, where was Annie? Right. <laughs> Accounts vary of the actual capture of Cattle Annie and Little Bridges. Oh, gosh. Marshal Bill Tilligman, he was one of the famous deputy U.S. Marshals known as the Three Guardsmen that was assigned to Oklahoma and Indian Territories. He may or may not have bothered himself with tracking and the capture of the two teenage outlaws. Some historians don't mention Tilligman in the last arrest of Cattle Annie and Little Bridges. Some sources claim that Deputy Marshal Steve Burke, Frank Canton, M. Zuckerman, and Grant Owens were the ones who actually arrested the girls after several shots were fired. However, it's alleged that when Tilligman and Steve Burke encountered the duo and found that both girls, quote, (laughs) this is funny, had a belly full of judges and jails, this time they were in no mood for coy conversation, choosing instead to spit fire, and it was the mouse of their Winchesters that did the spitting, (laughs) end quote. I thought that was funny. Oh, my gosh. Whichever version we take into account, exchange of gunfire occurred, and the lawmen present were able to arrest both girls, ending Cattle Annie's and Little Bridge's careers as outlaws. Oh, 
So the aftermath. Oh, geez. Both girls were convicted of their crimes, which included selling whiskey to the Native Americans and for horse thieving. The girls were sent to a girls' reformatory school in Framingham, (laughs) Massachusetts. Oh, wow. Both Little Bridges and Kettle Annie, guess what? Uh Uh-oh. Were released early, not at the same time, okay. due to good behavior. Aww. After their release, Jenny, or Little Bridges, is said to have returned to Indian Territory and settled in Tulsa, okay. where she eventually married and lived a quiet, law-abiding life, and not much else is known. Oh, the end on her? Huh. Okay. So, the uh, end. I said when, the end for her? Yes, yes, sorry. When Annie, Cattle Annie, mm-hmm. was released on April 18th, 1898, records show that she didn't want to return home for fear that she would relapse <laughs> back into a life of crime. And I just have to say, I think that takes a lot of courage yes. to be able okay. to admit that to yes. not only yourself, but to other people. Mm-hmm. That if you went back to a place or a person's... Well, and I wonder if she knew that... This was Cattle Annie, right? Yes. I wonder if she knew that Little Britches had gone back. And if she thought in her mind, if I run into her again... I'm just going to pick know, up where we left We're off. best friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just gonna, we're just going to, you know... Get back in Get it. back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and I, I think just, you're right. I just think it took a lot of guts to be able to be like, I can't go back there because if I do, I'm, right. I know I'm going to relapse. Yes. Annie was able to obtain a job, probably as a domestic, okay. with a Mrs. Mary Daniels in Sherborne, Massachusetts. However, Annie did eventually go back home to Oklahoma. Okay. I'm not sure how long she worked as a domestic for Mrs. Daniels or how long she was even in Massachusetts. Yeah. But that's that. <laughs> Cattle Annie married Earl Frost in Perry, Oklahoma Territory on March 13th, 1901, and they had two children together. Okay. In October of... <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but I found this funny. Oh. <laughs> like, what? I'm sorry. In October of 1909 in Noble County, the couple divorced, probably because Annie had joined a Wild West show. Oh. <laughs> That'll do it. Um, that's just according to one source. I don't know if that was actually true, but yeah, one, that's what one source said, and I had to put it in. Later, she married Whitmore, but I've also seen it as William. Okay. R. Roach, a general contractor, and they lived in Oklahoma City. Okay. Cattle Annie lived out the rest of her life as a quiet, respectable bookkeeper. She was an active member of the American Legion Auxiliary and of the Olivet Baptist Church. Oh. Annie McDoolett died on November 7th, 1978. Oh, and was wow. Yeah, and was buried in Rose Hill Cemetery in Oklahoma City. Wow. And I would kind of really like to go and see where she's buried. Yeah, interesting. I mean, just to see what, like, her headstone says yeah. and all that stuff. But um, here's a kooky fact. Cattle Annie almost lived long enough to see her story on the big screen. Oh. She passed away only three years before the movie version was released oh, in April rats. of 1981. Man. The movie is, of course, called Cattle Annie and Little Britches, with Amanda Plummer playing the role of Cattle Annie and Diane Lane playing the role of Little Britches. Oh, man. So 
That uh, is the story of Cattle wow. Annie and Little Bridges. That was awesome. So. I literally knew nothing about either one of them. And so I am so glad that you shared that with us. <laughs> I Like I've learned something new. and Well, I honestly, I had such a hard time putting it together. Yeah. Because it was like I would get all this information from one source and I'd get all this information. And like trying to like merge the information <laughs> together. I hope I did it justice. I think so. And there was a lot of stuff I didn't say. I mean, you know, it's just. These aren't dissertations. Well, I mean, I'm, I mean, as far as knowing what to put in there. Yeah. Because there's so much conflicting information. Oh, true, true, true. Like, like I said, I don't, I don't know if they were members of the Dueling Gang. I don't know if I believe that they were. I wouldn't be surprised if they had run into them at some uh-huh. point. Honestly, the version of it saying that you know they helped wash and mend their clothes, I could see that. Yeah, for sure. And I can see them. The Doolin gang thinking they're these annoying pests that they're just trying to get out of their hair, right. or. They'll let him hang around for just a minute to get whatever benefits them in. mm -hmm, But they never actually let them become members. And maybe it was because they were women. Yeah. But, you know, because they couldn't get with the Mm -hmm, dueling gang, they mm -hmm. just kind of went off on their own and did their own thing. Yeah. So, but I just thought it was interesting. Two best friends (laughs) becoming outlaws together. And they were so young. So young. Thelma and Louise. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah definitely but anyway that's that's all i got folks all right well i loved it thank you for sharing that with us any time <laughs> next week we should be doing some paranormal paranormal things mm-hmm. i know and then we'll be in november by that point i know i can't believe it's here i feel like this year has been going by so fast i agree i agree i definitely feel like october it flew by flew by so fast and it's getting closer and closer to christmas and i am glad to say that i've already started my christmas shopping which is very unusual for me i have not (laughs) i was going to say well i have a big trip planned in december but um i think you're going to be there with me as well (laughs) i think i am too i don't know (laughs) me and jess are going on a cruise so any cruise advice that you may have neither one of us have ever been on one please share please share curious cousins okay at gmail.com slide into our dms at curious cousins okay on instagram yes curious cousins okay podcast on facebook (laughs) i got it right this time (laughs) Or if you'd like to use Twitter, we're at Curious Cousins OK, but Cousins is spelled C-U-Z-N. And of course, you can find us on all your major podcast streaming systems like Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Stitcher. All the things. All the things. Google, you name it. So Jess, tell them what to keep it. Keep it kooky and spooky. Bye. Bye.